0: yo what's up everybody arson here or carlos or whatever you know me as so i've gone on this spiel before recently with this show but i'm just gonna do it again because every passing day it's hitting me more and more that we are like really really fucking close to the end of the year so that does mean year-end awards season for myself and for ulterior um and i've i've explained before what's gonna happen the first well, technically the first two full weeks of December. Uh, the song of the year list, which is going to be 100 songs, 5 episodes, each covering 20 songs. And then the following week, top 50 records, 5 episodes, each episode covering um, 10 records. I keep saying episode instead of chapter. I'll fucking get used to it at some point. I'll figure it out. Um But yeah, that's what's going to be happening, like i said before. Um I didn't really realize just like how difficult this would actually be um it's difficult to the point where i have not even really given like strong consideration to the songs list uh i have songs in my head that i'm like yeah that's probably gonna be on there but i really really don't like have a full vision for what that's gonna end up looking like whereas the records list i was able to narrow it down to 50 so like right now as as of this recording there is a presentable top 50 list that i could make chapters about if the year were to end today um that's not really the case with songs you know if you ask me right now what my song of the year is again like i can give like some answers as to like what it might be but i can't definitively say this is my favorite song of the year whereas with the albums i do have a number one picked out i could make a full case or argument for why my number one is my number one um but you know, the year's not over, there's still a lot to come out, and I really, really don't know where I'm going to stand with songs or records by the time um, December comes around. Uh, I also decided that I will uh, be limiting the songs list to three songs per artist. And that's simply because, like, there are some artists who have had, like, just a plethora of good fucking tracks this year and I really could make that top 100 list out of maybe like 27 or 28 bands but I don't want to do that I want the list to be diverse so I am limiting it to three songs per band and you know does that I does that kind of like um dilute the the purpose of the list not really I do think I can still make a fully accurate top 100 songs of the year list limiting each band or artist to just three songs, so I'm not really concerned with that too much. Um so yeah that was kind of all I'd say about like uh updates with the platform itself. Uh so this is a busy week. Very, very busy week. I have no idea how long we're gonna be here, so you know just bear with me for that I suppose. Uh this chapter is going to go over some singles from the likes of Paris, Lights of Myce and Man, Between You and Me, C Space Cowboy, The word Alive and a couple of others and then we're back to having just records on records on records there were eight this past week so i'm going to be going in depth on don broco star set every time i die can't swim sentinels the home team circus survive and void division so yeah thanks everyone enjoy this chapter No lie. I'm actually enjoying producing TikTok content more than I ever thought I would. Uh, so like I said on the last chapter, I'm mainly using it right now to push out like retro reviews that I really wanted to do with the podcast, but there's just not enough time. So like I just did there's a hell. Believe me, I've seen it. There's a heaven. Let's keep it a secret by bringing the horizon the other day. There will be more content coming very, very soon. Hope, hopefully at like a rapid pace. I really do want to remain consistent with TikTok. Uh, I have so many records in my head uh, uh, that I, w- I would like to do retro reviews for, and you know I'll roll those out like as I feel they're necessary. Um I do have a couple of other ideas that are not retro reviews, but I don't want to say them now just in case they don't happen. So yeah, all I can really say is just you know please follow me on TikTok. Please try and keep up to date with that platform for what I'm trying to do on there because it's a lot of. I would think really cool exclusive content that I, you know, I might post some of the TikToks to Twitter or maybe Instagram, but the content is pretty much going to remain exclusive to TikTok for, you know, probably forever. But yeah, there is a lot to get through this week, so I'm just going to go ahead and get right into the singles. Uh, the first one, having been the number one ranked song in Scenic Overlook last week, it is the brand new single from Paris called My Way. I wouldn't necessarily call My Way a new side of Paris, but I do think that there is a certain bleak nature to most of Paris' material that I don't hear on My Way. Like, some of what I talk about with the bleakness, it's traded out for confidence, and I think that's really, really cool. I do appreciate having this kind of a song from Paris. And you can notice that switch immediately just from the opening lines of the track. If there's a war, I'm gonna conquer it. Don't give a fuck about the consequence. If I'm on the edge, I'm going over it. Spin around, Russian roulette, razor-sharp teeth, I bite bullets. I don't hesitate, just take, take, take the risk. There's a lot of energy to this song, man. It's a really cool spin on what Paris have been doing before in terms of, like, concepts and ideas and, like, the sonic tone of it. It's just really, really bouncy and catchy as fuck. Um, I, I think Lin and all of them in that project are, you know, at the top of their game, and they have been for a minute now, and... Yeah, I, I'm just really excited for whatever is next to come out of Paris. So at last, lights is fucking back and not back in the sense of like, you know, there's an acoustic project or something with remixes like she's done in the last couple of years. I'm talking like album mode lights is back and she made her comeback with the single prodigal daughter. Finally found religion, And just in case you couldn't pick up from the song that Light is back, the hook is literally, Baby, I'm back. And she is absolutely fucking back. Um, there, so I'm going to say some similar things to what I just said about My Way from Paris, because I kind of sense like similarities in terms of what those two songs are, are going for. Um, some of the, I don't want to say bleak nature of uh, Light's songs because I don't think that's like really what she's um, been going after with songs off of like Skin and Earth or Siberia. Um, I just think Light's is somebody who was like kind of open and honest about her emotions. And with Prodigal Daughter, that's the same story. It just happens to be a set of different emotions. And there is like a real sense of confidence to not just like um, the execution of the song itself, but the music video because the... The video is really, really fucking dope. A lot of really cool creative direction taken here. Um, like, Lights owns the fucking camera. She owns the fucking microphone. Like, anything that this woman is attached to in, in media and entertainment, she just, like, has this prowess to everything she does that is so unmatched and unparalleled. And, like, I don't just mean that with music, but, like, the... Like, the graphic novels that she attached to Skin and Earth back in 2017. Like, every concept that Light goes after, there is, like, literally no fucking way you can stop this woman from actually being able to do what she wants to. Um, Prodigal Daughter is really just, like, another instance of that. The song is catchy as fuck. It is so dope and vibrant and upbeat. And, like, so many times in the last week, I will literally just have that hook that I mentioned earlier baby I'm back just you know reiterating itself in my head over and over again like with no purpose or cause really other than just me absolutely fucking with prodigal daughter so we got another brand new single from between you and me this is off of armageddon dropping on november 19th I believe is the date for that uh this song is called change So Change takes uh, a little bit of a different approach uh, than some of the other singles from Armageddon have so far. But it's a different approach that I think the band should be applauded for. So the music video for Change is kind of laced with these different facts about uh, global warming, climate change, whichever term you want to use for that. Um, Like there's one portion of it that says like, the planet's average surface temperature has risen 1.18 degrees Celsius since the late 19th century. And then I believe right after that, it says that 2016 and 2020 were the warmest years on record so far. Um, so there's definitely like this message that is like being put across through the music video for change. And lyrically, it's the same story. Uh, I feel a little ordinary because we made it up till now, but the future starts to scare me. The way that we lucked out. Maybe I'm not ashamed. Maybe I'm a little disgraced about the way we sweep our problems under. Light the fuse and run for cover. So with change, I think, you know, lyrically, it's kind of open-ended. You can interpret it whatever way you want to. That applies to change. But again, there's a clear, distinct message here. And I really, really think between you and me deserve, you know, a lot of credit and recognition for the attention that they are Attempting to bring and shine onto uh, a topic as serious as global warming. So, again, this is like really, really well done. The song itself is fucking incredible. I do not believe that there have been any missteps made so far in the lead-up to Armageddon. All the singles, Supervillain, Deadbeat, um, Butterflies, and then now Change. They all just resonate with me in such a profound way. Like, this is exactly the kind of pop punk that I'm after, and to be four singles deep and to have like the strong attachment to these songs that I do, there is going to be potentially, you know, if if uh Between You and Me stays the course that they are, a lot for me to talk about come November nineteenth with Armageddon. So I've been waiting for some bit of news regarding the next EP installment from Mycel Men and what we ended up finding out last week is that there isn't another EP coming, there is an album on December 3rd called Echo that takes the Timeless and Bloom EPs into one package along with a new, well technically a new EP. There are four new songs, two of them have already been released. The first one was um, Mosaic a couple weeks ago and the second one we got last week is called Fighting Gravity. Fighting Gravity. selfish reasons the of mice and men record being a december 3rd project is just outstanding news um because it gives me a chance to actually be able to like wrap all of my thoughts on this band in 2021 into one release as opposed to a couple different ones when it comes to the year end uh records list and you know that's me probably spoiling that I expect Of My Sin Men to be on that list, but like, really, there's no way they're not. I thought Timeless and Bloom were perfect EPs. Mosaic was a perfect song. Fighting Gravity is a perfect song. There are two songs left to hear from them this year. Chances are, I'm gonna think that they're perfect. Um Fighting Gravity, it kind of brings forth my favorite element to Of My Sin that being the cleans from Aaron Pauly. I think Aaron, just aside from being one of the best screamers in the genre right now, he is also just one of the best singers. This guy is fucking like multi talented in so many different facets of music. And I just think that, like, that, um, like that element that he brings with his cleans and his like soothing while also like kind of, um, brooding voice, it really lends itself to a song like Fighting Gravity that is built on like so much emotion and atmosphere. And I think Aaron just fucking kills it with this track like he does with everything else that Mice and Men do. I've said before, this is like a banner year for Mice and Men. I, I never counted them out. I never turned my back on them. I just wasn't so enamored with the last couple of releases from them, but everything that they've done this year dating back to an obsolete drop at the beginning of January, like just no misses, man. Straight fucking bangers from this band. You'd love to see it. As I've stated time and time again the last couple weeks, November 5th is going to be the release date for the brand new C Space Cowboy record called The Romance of Affliction. And we did get yet another new single from this band last week, uh, along with the accompanying music video. The song is The End to a Brief Moment of Lasting Intimacy. So I don't remember exactly the choice of words that Connie had used on social media to hype up this music video. I think she either said the video is very gay or very horny, or maybe she said both. I, again, I don't really remember. Um, what I would say that this music video is, is an open expression of one's sexuality and the promotion of inclusion in the scene and in just you know, being who you were meant to be. And I think that is really fucking dope. It's a really well done video, well shot. Uh, all of the, like the clips that are integrated into it with like the, um, like the signs of intima- intimacy and then the band performing in like that. Um, if I say like, uh, like a small room where it's like tile floor and like this clear upper ceiling, does that make any sense? Because I feel like there have been a lot of other bands that use that kind of a setting for a video. Um, but that's kind of what's going on here. Uh, sonically with the song, like, uh, again, this is C-Space Cowboy just really showing, like, how well versed they are in this kind of a throwback to post-hardcore from the 2000s. Uh, every time I hear something from The Romance of Affliction, or what is available of the record right now through singles, I said, it's kind of like a time capsule to me. It's just, it puts me in that mental state where I'm like, like, I feel like a fucking scene kid again, and, like, these were songs that I would have just proudly, you know, put on my MySpace page back in, like, oh seven, oh eight, whatever it was, and, you know, just fucking, just fucking jam out to this shit, man. It is so, so cool. I will never not be enamored with this kind of a sound that just takes me back to a time that I hold so near and dear to my heart, and, you know, if that's what all of the romance of affliction is going to be, This is a genuine fucking pillow release of the year for me, again, if that is ultimately what is going to come in this package on November 5th. So there's a new single from the band, No Bragging Rights, and in all honesty, this was my first time ever hearing about them. They've been around for a fucking minute, I just was never made aware of them until now, and I'm glad I know about them though, because they just put out Breaking Point, and it is fucking awesome. (laughs) So, I just said no bragging rights have been around for a minute in the scene. When I say that, I mean like their first album that shows up on Spotify dates back to 2006. So, literally, this is a band that's been putting out material in their genre that goes all the way back to like the, the the prime era of melodic hardcore and maybe the peak of it for that matter and again they just kind of passed me by for whatever reason uh so this is i think like their actual comeback single so there was this another single attached to this it was called the Wait. another very good song but i do want to focus on breaking point because that was the one where like i heard it and i was just like where the fuck has this band been all my life man it, it makes no sense why I'm only just now hearing about them. But again, I'm at least glad I get to hear about them now instead of never. Because Breaking Point, it it's everything that I love about melodic hardcore. Like, I think a contemporary name to compare them to would be Counterparts. It just, you know, that rapid style with the kind of, like, emotional instrumentation behind it. It is so, so fucking cool. And, and they're, they're so good at what they do, for that matter. And, like, I, I'm just so... Astonished by again, not only how good the song is, but just how this band managed to just never once appear on my radar But again, I'm happy. They're at least there now The first bit of new material from the world alive since monomania dropped it back in February of 2020 Uh They are back with the single Wonderland Genuinely, it's always good to see The Word Alive active because I think they are just one of the more consistent bands in the scene. And when I say that, I don't mean that they're like always putting out, you know, my favorite songs every year or my favorite records, but I think they, like you can rely on The Word Alive to put out something of like an, an like an upper quality, I guess, in terms of scene music. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of my way of saying that they'll never be my favorite band out there, but... I always know that they're not going to let me down with any of their material. Um, what Wonderland does, it feels like an extension of what was on Monomania. And I really do enjoy that because I thought Monomania was an incredible record. Um, one of the things I love the most about Wonderland, and I kind of noticed this in like the first verse and then the build-up to the bridge... The way that this band is able to kind of like circle itself around Telly Smith and build him up so that when he does come in with either like cleans in the chorus or screams in the bridge, he just sounds so emphatic. And it's one of those like things that where his voice is able to complement what's going on instrumentally in the song so fucking well. And like that makes the word alive. Again, what I've gone back to saying with like one of the most consistent bands in the scene I'm a- always up for new shit from the world alive, especially, you know, if it's going to be of the quality of a song like Wonderland. The final remaining single that I will be giving its own spotlight to on this chapter is the new single from Silent Planet called Anhedonia. Yeah! I think Silent Planet have going for them th- the kind of groove that so many metalcore bands and maybe just bands in music altogether would kill to have. And that is this like perfectly executed mixture of just heavy instrumentation, great vocals, uh, the atmosphere and like ambient moments in their songs. And then the articulation of every message that they try to get across in their music. Like, putting all that together, you get Silent Planet, and again, I think that's a formula that, like, so many bands would just, you know, it it feels like they're going to be chasing after forever and possibly not obtain, whereas Silent Planet have had it for years now and just continuously build on it with each and every release that they put out. Um, So, Anadonia, it's off of uh, Eerie Descent, which is out on November 12th. There was Terminal already from that one, and then I think Trilogy is on the record, I could be wrong. I'm going to check that actually real quick just to, um, make it seem like I know what I'm talking about with music. Um, yeah, trilogy is on the record. So, and then there's also, um, Panopticon back in August. So four singles in of a 12 track record. There, there's going to be a lot to unpack with this come November 12th. And I really, really cannot wait for it because I feel like I'm going to have to dissect this record in a way that I don't usually because of just how much like, themes and messages and just like those um like silent planet records have these inklings that you don't really get from any other band so i'm really excited to get into this record on november 12th and i really really cannot wait to again just unpack and unravel everything that your descent is going to bring us so just briefly i will go ahead and get through the remainder of the singles from last week i reviewed on social media but i'm not talking about like Extensively on today's chapter. One Punch by Ares. Ride With Me by Deberg, Funeral by Diamond Pistols featuring Jutes. Cover Me by Glacier Veins. Dead Flowers by Health featuring Poppy. Yank by Hunter Olivery, Resentment by Kublai Khan. Terror Wave by Live Conform Die. The Truest Blue by Modern Era. Appetite by Nathan James. The Weight by No Bragging Rights. When We Were Broken by Our Last Night, Adults by Social Animals, Commander by Strawberry Girls featuring Ben Rossett and Zachary Guerin, and Die in the City by The Hara. So those were all the singles from last week that I said I liked on social media. There were none that I didn't mind or didn't like. So, you know, another good, successful week for singles. Let's keep this trend going throughout the rest of the year, please. So now I'm going to get into the records, and like I said earlier, there are eight of them this week. So yeah, this will take a little bit of time, and I apologize if that is any kind of a nuisance, but I really want to talk about music. Uh, and I'm going to start off with an EP from a band that has some pretty deep roots in the scene. And they're pretty much like a legacy act at this point. And so whenever they do something, it does feel special to me. And that's not really any different with this brand new EP from Circus Survive, A Dream About Love. In a you can see, a so like I just said, Circus Survive are probably considered to be a legacy act at this point in the scene. Uh, so their first release back in 2005 and even prior to that the vocalist Anthony Green was an original member of Sayosin back when the translating the name EP came out so like this is just kind of like my personal opinion I think Seven Years by Sayosin is one of the most iconic and definitive emo songs ever made so like I honestly attach Anthony to Sayosin a little bit more than I do Circus Survive even though this is the project that he has more material with and more of his career is Grounded in Circus Survive, but you know, that's all kind of besides the point. My point initially being that Circus Survive have been around for a long fucking time and they have a good represent, good reputation. I wasn't saying representation. Uh, well, they do have good representation in the scene because people do fuck with them a lot. But what I was trying to say was they have a good reputation in the scene. And I do think they are one of the more recognizable bands, like kind of low key in that sense, but one of the more recognizable scene bands out there. Um, and again, it does feel like every time they do something every couple of years, it is a big deal and I do draw myself to Circus Survive releases w- whenever it's time. Uh in the down periods though, I honestly don't really think about Circus Survive too much. Um you know, if they come up on shuffle, like I'll listen to their stuff. I'm not going to like, you know, uh disregard them in that aspect, but yeah, I catch myself just not really thinking about Circus Survive more than I do think about them. But with something like a dream about love coming around, now I'm like fully back into Circus Survive mode. I had talked about the lead single for the EP, Impostor Syndrome, back when it dropped. I, I think it was two weeks ago by this point. Maybe it was just a week ago and I'm like losing track of time, but I think I've said before on the show that time is just a myth. It's not a real concept. Um, that's something for another, um, another chapter eventually. Um, But with Imposter Syndrome, I did really, really enjoy that song. And like, knowing now that it's the opener to A Dream About Love, I think it makes a lot of sense in that context because the way that song kind of builds itself up throughout the entire runtime, it does feel like the proper introduction to the ideas and concepts found on A Dream About Love. Uh, I had also like given some love to the music video for Imposter Syndrome because it's kind of just Anthony Green getting his hair cut, but like, the shorter his hair gets, the more chaotic the song becomes in tone and i thought that was really really cool uh the second track on the ep is drift so you know probably everybody listening to this knows by now every weekend i do scenic overlook where i rank my 10 favorite songs of a given week um i think i fucked up by not including drift ultimately it doesn't really matter because if i really do want to put drift in that top 100 songs of the year list I can. It doesn't really matter if it made it in an overlook, but I'm at least acknowledging right now that there is a a weight to drift that I knew was there immediately upon hearing it because like when I finished the EP, the first thing I did instead of going back to listen to it again was I went back to drift and I listened to drift like pretty fucking heavily last Friday. It probably was one of my one of my most played songs over the weekend. Um, with drift, it, it has like. Kind of like this, like, sort of electronic backing to it. Not really. Like, I know when I say electronic, uh, people might think of, like, these different sounds and drops and whatnot. It That's not what is happening in Drift. It's very soothing. It's almost, like, subtle in a lot of ways. Yet, it's there, and it's prominent, and you notice it immediately. And just the way that Anthony carries his vocals throughout this song, Anthony really might have, like, a claim to being one of the greatest vocalists in the history of our scene. He's just so like uh, unstoppable and immaculate and untouchable in his range and like the way that he can carry his voice. It's really fucking soothing and beautiful. And I think Drift is the best example on this EP in terms of what I'm trying to say about his talent as a vocalist. Um, and and Drift kind of it doesn't really do what Imposter Imposter Syndrome did when I mentioned like that song became more chaotic as it progressed. I think Drift has like this controlled chaos to its structure. And it doesn't really lean like one like it, it doesn't lean too heavily into one aspect of like being a heavier circus five song. It kind of just feels almost like mysterious in a lot of ways. And I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I'm really just trying to get across that Drift has so many layers to it that it's kind of hard for me to unpack in just one sitting, one review. Um but I I really just wanted to emphasize that I I might have fucked up immensely by not naming this one of my favorite songs last week. Drift is fucking incredible. And then I think from there, the EP does a good job at, like, kind of diversifying itself with the remainder of the songs, because you get a song like Our Last Shot, which feels a lot more mopey and, like, wary and tired, and that's, like, kind of part of what Imposter Syndrome was going over, I think. Uh, while again having this sense of controlled chaos to what it's doing and achieving. And then the song, Even Better, it feels like more of like an upbeat Circus Survive song. It has like, I don't want to say like a cheerfulness to it, but just like, I'll, I'll reuse the word upbeat. It has a certain upbeat tone that it's not on Imposter Syndrome or Our Last Shot, and you can kind of hear like glimpses of it in Drift, but I think Even Better is where that sound is fully fleshed out. Gone For Good is like, primarily acoustic but there's still like a lot of other instrumentation going on in the background that like if i say um rogues theme song from sonic adventure 2 like is that a term that anybody would actually understand what i'm trying to say i i I don't know but if there's anyone listening to this who understands what i mean when i say rogues theme that is what gone for good reminds me of it's just like kind of enchanting and beautiful and it just feels really really like 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 so warming i guess there was nothing else i listened to last week that was anywhere close to like that level of um serenity as gone for good and like that was one of the reasons why i i don't think gone for good is like my second favorite song on the ep behind drift it's probably even better in that spot but gone for good like it's in that upper echelon on the ep granted there are only six songs but i i stand by my point about that and then sleep well I had mentioned the, like, sort of electronic backing in Drift, and I would say that is also what's happening on Sleep Well. Um, This isn't really the comparison I want to make, but it's one I'm going to go to anyways, because it was my initial thought when I listened to Sleep Well for the first time. It feels like, like, instrumentally, it feels like a more tame version of Ouch by Bring Me the Horizon. It's a little bit slower than Ouch. Actually, a lot slower than Ouch, for that matter. Um, But that's the kind of, like, electronic backing that I was reminded of with Sleep Well. Um, and then I think even then, Sleep Well, it is kind of a long song. I think it's like, I is it seven minutes? It might actually be seven minutes. And I've gone on the spiel before on this show about me not really liking long songs. But when a song like Sleep Well is able to just capture my attention for the entire runtime that it encompasses. I can't help but applaud its effort. And ultimately coming out of Dream About Love, I really couldn't help but just applaud Circus Survive. Um, I didn't go with a perfect score initially on the EP because I favored drift so heavily over everything else to the point where like, I, I listened to the EP all the way through and then I listened to drift just constantly on repeat. And then it was like, okay, now I got to go back and listen to the rest of the EP. Uh, but I purposely skipped drift on that listen. So I wouldn't, uh, like resort back to just listening to that on repeat um but ultimately i do actually really really enjoy this ep i think it's fucking amazing um i i would have to go back and really like reanalyze most of circus of eyes discography because like some of it is kind of escaping me right now what uh like what stands out uh it's no blue sky noise i can say that for sure but like a dream about love existing in its own stratosphere is like nothing to scoff at this is a great ep i really really enjoyed the time that i was able to spend with it for the last week And, you know, I'll just reiterate what I said earlier. Drift. That's it, man. Drift. Drift is the fucking song. And I have to really analyze if I believe Drift is one of the best songs of the entire year. Because it really, really might be. So now moving on to the second EP from last week. I actually didn't know that this was going to be happening. Um... I reviewed one of the singles a couple weeks ago. Actually, that might be an overstatement. It might have been like over a month now. I don't really remember. Um, and then I, I had saved another single from this EP to my Spotify library early last week. And then on Friday, it was like, Oh, here's the EP. And I'm like, Oh, shit. Oh, okay. I'll, yeah, sure. I'll talk about it. Um, it is the new EP from Void of Vision called Chronicles One Lust. This is technically the second release from Division this year. The first one having been the Hyper Days Redux back in March where each song had a guest feature spot from, like, different vocalists in the scene. And that was pretty cool. Um I also didn't really care too much about it. It's not a release that I go back too often or really ever think about. It kind of just happened, and I was like, yeah, that was neat. And then I moved on from there. Um, that's not me saying I didn't like it in any way. I just, I, again, I don't really think about it too much. Um, with Chronicles 1 Lust, this cycle started with the release of The Lonely People, and I think because of, like, my sort of just, like, whatever mentality towards the Hyper Days Redux, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, a new Void of Vision song, I'll go ahead and listen to it. And then The Lonely People just blew my fucking mind, dude. Like, that song is really, really good. It's, like, one of the better metalcore tracks I've listened to recently. Um, It, it just, like, it ticked off everything, every little box that I... Would ask a metalcore song to achieve nowadays, and like that single alone made me think, like, okay, there's something here with Void of Vision that extends beyond whatever, like, limited potential I might have seen in them earlier in the year. Um, so this was definitely something for me to be excited over. The single that got released early last week was Vampire, and again, that was another song that just like really, really knocked me on my ass and made me once again devote all of my attention for that runtime to void Division, and never once was i bored with vampire i was pretty captivated the entire way through the music video for vampire is also like really really sick in my opinion uh it's all shot in black and white and it has kind of like this like macabre aesthetic and visuals uh present throughout it um i just thought like vampire it it kind of felt like an extension of the lonely people but also like It's own standalone entity and had Vampire been the lead single instead of the Lonely People, I think my interest in Void Division would have been like right where it's at all the same. Uh, so that's me saying like Vampire easily could have been the song to get me fully invested in this band instead of the Lonely People and you know, I'd be giving the same speech that I am right now. Uh, there were two other songs on the EP outside of those two singles. The first one being the opener. And I'm going to try and pronounce this properly. Ohne Sieg, which is German for without sight or without view. And the runtime on that song is like a minute and a half. It's really meant to just be an intro, but I think it stands out on its own. And it's a song that like has its own identity, has a lot of character to it. It has that really cool, like destructive, heavy sound that I think is present throughout a lot of the EP. And that song leads into Gothica, which truthfully might be my favorite song on the EP. It's just another, like, song that has that really cool take on, like, chaotic metalcore that, again, I think Void of Vision are, like, really, really finding a home in with this EP. And towards the end of it, it has, like, a little bit of, like, this electronic section. Uh, but when I say that, it kind of sounds like lasers being implemented into the, the song's instrumentation. And I thought that worked really, really well. I, I did enjoy that factor in Gothica a lot. Um, so I think the one it complaint I could, if you even want to call it a complaint that I could possibly have with Chronicles One Lust is that it just felt like really, really brief and it just came and went. Um, and you know, I, I, I do appreciate having a release like this that it's just so easy to get through and like, I, I don't feel bored in any of its runtime. I don't see listening to this EP as a chore, but it just felt like like a taste more than anything else, like a teaser for something bigger later on. And you know, maybe there will be something else later on, or I, I would actually venture to guess yes, because this one is titled Chronicles One. Um. So yeah, I I'm ready to devote more attention to Void of Vision. I just would like to see and hear more from them before I go ahead with any kind of like perfect score or like affirmation that they are one of the top middle core bands in the scene right now. I do believe that's where they're headed and I feel like their next release that I review on this show I will give a perfect score to just right now I'm comfortable with calling them like near perfection rather than perfection if any of that makes any sense. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get into the first of six albums to talk about on this chapter, and I'm going to start with a record that I don't have many bad things to say about it, but I think the list of good things for me to say about it, it's definitely not sizable in comparison to the rest of the albums that I have to talk about today. Um, and I really, really don't want this review to come across as negative because I did enjoy the time I spent with this album, but there are some things, and and maybe it's just like personal preference and taste in the end, but there are some things that I do want to point out about why my experience with it maybe wasn't as enjoyable as the other records I got, I got to listen to last week. So we've got Collapse by Design by Sentinels. (laughs) Alright, right to lay where I chose! I'll embrace the earth As the soil sells my roots This world has crumbled From underneath This is absolute Collapse by Design is Sentinel's debut record Or, or rather debut album They d- do have two EPs to their names World Divide and Unsound Recollections I have actually never listened to either of them um and I, I don't mean to say that like in like this arrogant dickish way i just i i didn't i didn't know about them uh, uh, until very recently sentinels uh it was on the album cycle for collapse by design that i started to like hear about them and you know just social media word of mouth i was like okay let me go ahead and check them out i do believe i've reviewed every single f- available for collapse by design uh i'm gonna check real quick The Spotify playlist that I have for Ulterior to make sure, like, that it wasn't just the two singles that were showing up in their Spotify, um, like, artist page. Uh, give me a second. Okay, so... Yeah, there were five singles. Inertia, Tyrant, To Wither Away, Albatross, and Comfort in Familiar Pain. So, Inertia and Tyrant. Those two came prior to the album announcement, I believe. Inertia, I thought like, okay, this is pretty cool, I guess. And I had a similar attitude about Tyrant. I was like, I do like these songs. I just don't know if they're actually like genre bending in any way that makes me excited for whatever Sentinels is going to be doing later on this year. Uh, To Wither Away was the first instance where I was like, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe... There's a little bit more to this whole Sentinels thing that I'm giving credit for. And I'm not entirely sure why that was because, like, on the surface level, Toither Away is not too different from Inertia or Tyrant. But I suppose I believe that, like, some of the instrumentation choices on that track in particular were, like, a little bit more interesting, had a little bit more variety in what it was doing. And then, like, the last minute of it, it kind of takes a turn for, like, the better... And there's some, like, atmospheric shit going on. And I thought another car passed by. I-, I assumed a car passed by because why wouldn't a fucking car pass by while I'm trying to record my goddamn show? Um, but yeah, the-, the last minute of Twitter Away kind of, like... It put that song in a much better light for me personally than Inertia or Tyrant. What I'm gonna do now is just go ahead and get my two favorite songs on the record out the way right now solitude and atlas so solitude is i'm is it it might be the shortest song on the record or it's like one of the shortest um it's an instrumental track and i guess in that sense it's meant to serve as like an interlude but because of its length it doesn't really feel like an interlude it's kind of able to like stand on its own and have its own identity similarly to like um fresh bruises on amo by Remy the horizon so you know, if you're familiar with that song, that's kind of what Solitude is able to do. There are just a lot of like really really cool moments in Solitude, and I came out of this record thinking like, man, that was like that was a treat. That was really enjoyable that song. And then the closing track Atlas, it it kind of has like this atmospheric build to its opening, and then by the end of it, you can kind of like hear these bits of almost like insanity in a way, and like the track kind of like breaking itself down, like um in, in like this instrumental sense so like um piece by piece everything kind of falls apart but I say that like not in a negative way I'm trying to use those words to create this understanding that like Atlas feels like everything that the album builds itself up to by that point in the closer you can kind of hear it like sonically start to crumble and it just has this really really cool effect that I thought was one of the standout moments on the entire record, maybe the standout moment, if I'm being honest. So, there were two singles that I haven't mentioned yet, those being Albatross and Comfort in Familiar Pain. And listening to those two songs, it, it kind of gave me an idea of what kind of a record Collapse by Design was going to be, as far as like my own personal taste and how I perceive metalcore music nowadays. Um, and I think ultimately, like my suspicions, I guess if you want to call it that, were. Confirmed. Um, so I, and I I believe I've said this before. Actually, I know I have. I just don't know how many times. Um, I listen to everything with records at least twice when I review them. Uh, obviously, if I like a record more, I'm going to listen to it more than just twice. But that's my standard, like for reviewing shit. Listen to it twice. And with Sentinels last week, this was my most necessary re listen because. Much of what I heard on the initial listen, it wasn't retained in my mind. I, aside from what I said about Solitude and Atlas and the standout moments on those tracks, and then, um, To Wither Away having already been like the standout single for me personally, I couldn't really recall any like particular moments. I know that there were ideas on this record that I liked, but I had trouble remembering like which song was which so like I hear you know like a really cool fill or like this really cool guitar distortion sound and I'm like okay was that on Desecration or was it on Coalescence you know like legitimately things that I just couldn't remember because some of what is executed and executed well for that matter but just some of what is executed on Collapse by Design I think just blends with each other and that's really unfortunate because I think that there are a lot of really cool unique and creative ideas found on this record I just don't know if they all kind of get to exist in their own worlds and establish their own identities because, like I said, much of what I heard on the first listen, I couldn't pick apart from what song was which. Um, and maybe that's more on me just as a listener and not necessarily something that Sentinels did wrong. I acknowledge that is a very real possibility and it it might be more than a possibility. It might just be a fact, but, um, that was ultimately how I felt, um, I don't regret the time that I spent listening to Collapse of a Design at all. I, I did like what I heard. It just... Not a lot of it stuck with me, is all that I'm saying. Um, but I totally do understand the appeal of a record like this. And like I said before, if this was your favorite release from last week, then I'm happy you were able to get a listening experience from a release that you felt so enamored by and passionate with. Um, you know, always... Like what you like, listen to what you want to listen to, fuck what anybody says, fuck what I say for that matter, um, but just my personal opinion was that Collapse by Design, it showed a lot of promise, um, but I do not know if I necessarily am in alignment with how some of the ideas were approached. Right now, I want to get into a record that I think, out of everything I listened to last week, this is the one that has the potential to grow on me the most compared to where it already is in my mind and keep in mind like this is already growing on me fucking immensely from when I first heard it I, I gave it the initial listen and I really liked it and then I heard it again and I loved it even more and with each passing listen I feel like that attachment to this project with you know myself is only expanding and I will hopefully get across why I feel that's hap- why, why I think that's happening. Uh so we got the new album by the home team called Slow Bloom. One of the things that I want to establish now is an understanding that the whole Scenic Overlook thing that I'm doing, like, it's a good gauge for how I'm feeling about certain acts throughout the year, but keep in mind, like, I only have ten spots to fill every week, and a lot of times with the home team and their rollout of singles... They just came out in weeks where there was a lot of other shit that I wanted to put on the list ahead of them. They did make Scenic Overlook once prior to this past week, that having been for the title track. Um, but then there were the other singles, Right Through Me, Move It or Lose It, and Another, Li- Another Night Alone With You, where I acknowledge that I probably didn't give those singles like the proper time and respect, uh, especially on this show. Um, I think with Another Night Alone With You... I had it as one of those, like, oh, here are the other songs I listen to. Um, the other thing that I want to, like, you know, get across right now is with whenever I do that and I'm like, oh, here are these other singles. If anything in, in those categories is a part of an album later on that year, I will have a chance to talk about the song. So, you know, that's going to happen. That's what's going to happen with another night alone with you. But I do want to just get into the record itself and kind of. Not not go track by track because I don't really have the time right now. But what I will say about the home team is, this was my introduction to them. Uh, back when, right through me dropped as a single in, I, what was that? It was like April maybe or May. I don't remember exactly. Um, and I heard like a lot of promise with that single. I remember thinking like, man, there's a real like danceability to what they're doing. It's got like that really cool like the like the integration of pop with like some r&b some jazz elements like i can pick um like certain acts like issues or dance given dance or Shrezzers or varsity as like possible influences on this band i also think it helped that like i've been able to listen to their rise at the same time as a band like cherry Moore, and those similarities are there although i think the home team kind of has like a bit more of a post-hardcore grounding than cherry Moore does but um Either way, I think, you know, having these two acts display this kind of a sound simultaneously has been really, really cool to see so far this year. And then the the opening is Move It or Lose It, which was a single beforehand, and I think that song kind of shares a lot of the same ideas with Right Through Me, and I pretty much feel the same about both the songs. I think with, with those two being like the one, two punches start Slow Bloom on, you immediately understand what kind of a band the home team are, and... Like, you know, it, it's kind of a crash course in what kind of sonic tones Slow Bloom is going to venture into, I guess. Uh The title track itself, I would say, like, out of all the singles released, that one has the most powerful chorus, and I think that's the reason why that was a single that stuck with, the, stuck with me the most. Like, it just, it feels so gigantic in a way, and I really, really admire that. And then, Another Night Alone With You, which features Yvette Young, it kind of has, like, it, or it shows off the slower side to the home team but i say slower but like none of the concepts are um sacrificed for the sake of achieving that kind of a sound i think they're able to retain everything that they had with the other singles and just like make it a a a differently paced song and i really really admire that it's genuinely almost impossible to listen to this record and not feel like just getting up and moving around to it at any point uh there's a stretch of three non-singles it's watching all your friends get rich, eat you up in scary movies. And those three songs kind of, like, take what I said about that danceability factor, too, what the home team is doing. And it it puts these ideas on display in different manners. And, like, they all kind of have, like, their own unique style while still remaining very similar in a lot of their ideas. And, like, that's kind of just my way of saying that, like, the home team knows how to switch up the formula without straying away from that formula if that makes any sense there's a song that shows up later on in the record called who do you know here i honestly kind of got like a justin timberlake vibe from that song it just has like that groove to it that swagger and that like makes it one of the more effective songs on this record and keep in mind like this is a record full of effective songs yet that was one of the ones that stuck with me the most after the initial listen and every time i go back to it i'm like Man, this song is fucking cool. I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the song On, because I truly cannot get across the extent to which I am fucking in love with On. That is by far my favorite song on Slow Bloom. And, and keep in mind, like I've done nothing but just gas up these tracks, and I'm saying that On is the one that I latched onto and I gravitate towards the most. Uh, that song doesn't really have like an intro or anything like that to lead into the first verse. It kind of just jumps right into it. And before you know it, you're hit with this chorus that has like so much fucking vibrancy and groove to it. And then like there's, I think there's like trumpets in this bitch. I'm pretty sure that's what I hear. And the way that everything just comes together and morphs into this just stellar like scene, jazz, RB kind of song is really, really fucking dope. On is. Like, just such an easy listen. It's only a little over two minutes long, I believe. Um, you know, it, like, it's just... It, it's so fucking easy to digest and get lost in. And there were times over the weekend where, like, I wasn't listening to anything. And On was a song that was just, like, in my mind. And I could hear every, like, melody and just the vocals shining through the way that they do. The trumpets coming in at the appropriate time. Everything about On just catapulted this record into like another stratosphere if none of the prior tracks had already done it by that point the closing song danger features jeff loomis who is currently the guitarist for arch enemy and uh it also has veil of maya on the track and like just understand like arch enemy and veil of maya seemingly have fucking nothing to do with what the home team is going for on this record yeah, I, I I enjoy the collaboration for that reason, because it's just, like, so out there and not anything that I could have imagined. Um, and with their inclusion on Danger, I think the song does have, like, a different feel to its guitar work, and that's for the better. I, I think this one stands out instrumentally, and it kind of, like, has this, like, fading out outro that, to me, just, like, it almost resembles the band just, like, riding off into the sunset, knowing that they just crafted this fucking work of art that... I think people really do need to go out of their way to check out from last week. Um, I, like I said earlier, this record is growing on me at a very, very rapid pace. I didn't expect to come out of this week loving Slow Bloom the way that I do. I knew I was going to like it. I just didn't know that I was going to have like the kind of attachment to it that I believe is starting to manifest. Um, it, like, There's just a lot to love about this record, I think, and... Every time I go back and listen to it, I feel like I'm hearing something new in each song. Just like different little elements that you know, you kind of have to keep hearing over and over again to pick up on it. But then when you do pick up on it, you're like, man, that is a really, really cool touch. How did they think to do this little aspect of a song that is kind of minute in the grand scheme of things? But just having it be implemented into my mind, it's like, man, this band is made up of some fucking geniuses, honestly. I cannot get enough of this record. I think the home team... Are one of the you know brighter, younger acts in the scene, and I just genuinely feel like lucky, I guess, to have been able to hear this record, and I, I you know, I could say like, oh, I'm eager to hear more from uh, the home team. I'm totally fine right now with just living with Slow Bloom because I've gotten more. Mileage out of this record than I thought I was going to, and I still feel like I haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to my love and admiration for Slow Bloom. What am I? What am I at now? Four records down, four more to go. All right, let's try and uh, let, let's see where this goes. I guess. Um, what am I talking about next? Uh, what's on the list? Okay, we can do this. So we got the brand new record from Can't Swim. It is Change of Plans. And Admittedly, Can't Swim is a band that I don't have the level of attachment to them as I feel like I should or that they've warranted given the amount of talent found within that act. Uh, I remember back in 2016, I really enjoyed Death Deserves a Name, which was their debut EP. Uh, I just thought it was like a really cool, unique release that wasn't really like a, a lot of the concepts on that EP I didn't think were explored by some other bands around the scene at that time. Uh, they followed it up with Failure again, and then This Too Won't pass. Both of which I thought were very, very good, really cool. Um, but maybe like, the, I, I guess there were just other things happening in music and my personal life around that time that like I couldn't devote the amount of attention to them that I wanted to. The same thing happened last year with someone who isn't me. So this felt like the proper way for me to actually like pay full attention to Can't Swim for the first time in a couple of years. And I was excited for that because the lead single for the record... Which was, um, it was "Deliver Us More Evil," right? I, I want to make sure I have that correct before I just start talking about "Deliver Us More Evil." Uh, how do I check this? Give me a second, guys. Uh, most unprofessional podcast in the world. Let me just say that now. Yeah, it was "Deliver Us More Evil." I did talk about it back when that dropped as a single on this show, and I think I had a lot of good things to say about it. Listening to it again as part of the full record, I stand by what I said before and like. This is one of the better songs by Can't Swim I've ever listened to, and I thought it was a very good way to start this album cycle. Uh, and then that was followed up with To Heal It All, You have To Feel It All. And I think with that song, it kind of showed, like, not really a more emotional side of Can't Swim, but just, like, kind of a more anthemic uh portion of them, I guess. And I thought having those two singles, like, be uh in back-to-back su- succession of one another, that was... Like, like that did a lot of good for my excitement for this record. Uh, There was another single early last week before the record's release, and it was Set the Room Ablaze. That one is more like this energetic punk song that I think does a lot of, like, really, really cool things that are... You can hear bits of Set the Room Ablaze sprinkled throughout the rest of the material here on Change of Plans in terms of, like, that punk sound that I was trying to mention. Uh, It also features Caleb Shoma from Beartooth, who I think his guest feature spot on that song works really, really well. The album opens with Standing in the Dark, which each time I've listened to Change of Plans, I feel like I'm becoming more and more comfortable with calling Standing in the Dark my favorite song on the record. It has like this slow, brooding feel to it that I think sets up the rest of the material here perfectly. There was a non-single song as of right now that comes in, I think it's track four, Sense of Humor, and that one, I really like the balance between like Kind of like quiet verses compared to the more explosive courses on that track. I think that's a blend that can't swim have been able to navigate perfectly. Ten Years Too Late, I think, has some similarities to Deliver Us More Evil in all of the right ways. And those two songs uh, being back to back on the track listing, it has like this really cool, I guess, like compliment to uh, both tracks and like i i think i've said before like the way that you order songs on records is so crucial it is so important for albums to be able to have like this real cohesive flow and i think uh, like a good example of that would be having 10 years too late come right before deliver us more evil those two songs in like a uh, succession of one another i think kind of makes those ideas make a lot more sense if that itself makes any sense what i'm trying to say I think in the later portions of Change of Plans, the record does a really, really good job at finding what I said before, like the balance between the more punk based songs on the album and then the ones that have like more of like this melodic sense to them. Uh so like Better Luck Next Time and Altamont Explode, I think share a lot of similarities with how they go about the punk themes, and then Opposite of God and Careless, Anxious, Neurotic, Tired do such a good job at showing what I've already described as being like the more I guess emotional or melodic side to can't swim. And then the closer, everyone that I know I hate, it, it does go into like that emotional side to the band that I've already raved about for the last few minutes, however long it's been that I've been talking about change of plans. I think with that song though, it feels kind of like the perfect, uh, counterpart to standing in the dark, which was the intro and like, You know, the record starts off in, like, this kind of, like I said, like, a slow brooding manner. And then by the time you get to everyone that I know I hate, it feels like it's taking some of the more explosive ideas on the record, yet putting that, like, slower filter over it. And it's just this really, really cool song that I think caps off the album, like, in the most grandiose way that it could have. And by the end of it, it has sort of, like, a fade-out intro, but it's more so just, like, these guitar notes lingering on. And, like, they're becoming more and more quiet as the the runtime progresses but it kind of feels like they don't want to go away it's like can't swim are using this outro to say that like we have more that we want to get across but we feel like this is the appropriate like space and we've like um we we've used up all those resources and so like you know anything that we want to say in the future you kind of have to wait on that uh it, it's i guess like a cliffhanger is the best way that i can describe how i felt like, about the last few minutes, or not minutes, but just moments of everyone that I know I hate, and I I don't remember what the actual score I gave this was. I, it might have been a 9. I don't think it was a 9.5, and that 9 just came from um, me kind of feeling like there is room for this record to grow on me. I didn't think it was perfect immediately upon listening to it, and then even on the second and third listen, I was starting to warm up to it more and more, but, like, there's still something about Uh, change of plans that I am like a little bit hesitant to call perfect. And I don't know if that's me holding Can't Swim to, you know, the standards that I had them at years ago. And, you know, that's, I I don't know if that's fair or not, but that's just kind of how I, I, I view this. I don't look at this record the same way that I do Slow Bloom, where I'm like talking about how I expect that album to just grow on me. I think if I've reached the peak of my admiration for Change of Plans, I'm okay with that because I do genuinely, really, really enjoy this record for what it is as of now. Um, you know, I, I, I maybe it does grow on me more, and maybe I am talking about it again later on as being like one of the top records I listened to this year. But just for right now, I'm okay with saying that Change of Plans is a very, very good record, probably my favorite just overall record from Can't Swim so far, and. I think they did everything right in the lead up to it. I do really, really enjoy all the singles. I think the non-singles so far, like, they all make sense existing in their own little stratosphere. And I, I don't really see how anybody who is a fan of Can't Swim or just a fan of, like, more punk-based music overall couldn't be, like, excited about what this band is doing right now because I think they're doing a lot of really, really cool shit. And there are plenty of reasons to devote your time and attention and care to Can't Swim. So I, I took some time during that review with, of Can't Swim to mention like punk and punk-based songs and like that punk nature. So let's just fucking dive headfirst into that and talk about Radical by Every Time I Die. I I talked about the idea of being a legacy act earlier when i was going through circus survive every time i die they're not just a legacy act like they are the legacy of that blend of hardcore and post-hardcore and metalcore and punk and then like if you want to throw in like um blues or stoner metal to an extent like i think you can do that as well they just like they are that scene and they have been for fucking like over two decades now however long it is that they've actually been a band uh every time i die like even if you don't fuck with the music you you have to respect them you have to acknowledge them as one of the foundations of this whole scene that we're talking about and like a lot of the bands that i've mentioned on this show before a lot of the bands that i champion and i love so much they would not exist without every time i die and there's been a large gap between projects from every time i die to where like so their last album was 2016 it was called low teens and by like 2018 2019 i was like okay i'm ready for new every time i die just you know let's let's go ahead with this and you know for one reason or a couple it just took a really long time to get to this point and you know a, a lot of bands in the last few years especially through the pandemic it's just been hard to you know put out material the way that they want to and that's totally fine i understand that's um, the members have kept themselves busy, especially Andy Williams, who is currently wrestling for AEW. So, you know, there really hasn't been a rush, I would say, to get new every time I die out. And the every time I die fan base is so fucking loyal that, you know, this could have taken 10 years to get to and they would have been right there waiting for them. And uh, actually, now that I've like mentioned low teens, I'm going to go ahead and get out the way right now. The biggest reason why I don't think Radical is a perfect release and why I don't like it as much as Low Teens. And it's because of the closer on Low Teens, which is Map Change. Map Change is my favorite Every Time I Die song I've ever listened to. I think it probably is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard just in general from any band in any music scene ever. The, the, the impact that song had on me, like, that is something that it, it's so fucking difficult to replicate, not just for Every Time I Die, but for any band out there. And, like, I really did not want to try and hold that against Radical. But it was just something that I couldn't really shake off my mind. And by the end of the first listen, I I, I said to myself, like... Or not said to myself, because I'm not, like, a fucking weirdo. But actually, I do talk to myself a lot. So never mind. I am a weirdo. A weirdo. Um, I, I kind of had this thought after finishing Radical the first time where I'm like, that was really, really good. But it didn't have a map change. And that's totally fine, you know. It, it would be like asking... Like Boston Manor to have another Halo or another The Day That I Ruin Your Life, which, you know, that could happen, but I just do not know, like, the percentage chance of that. So, you know, I I shouldn't hold it against Every Time I Die for there not being a song on Radical that I feel as strongly about as I do Map Change. It was pretty late into 2020 where I believe the first two singles for the record were released, those having been Desperate Pleasures and A Colossal Wreck. And, you know, I was insanely hyped for those tracks when they dropped and i did really really enjoy them i felt like okay if this is what we're going to get from every time i die in 2021 that is more than acceptable because these songs just embody the nature of every time i die and like the exact kind of punk sound that i'm after whenever i listen to them and then awol post boredom and planet shit were the other singles from this year supporting radical awol i do remember that was like a that was an early release this year. It was like February, maybe. Uh, and that did make Scenic Overlook the week that it dropped. I did really, really enjoy it. And, you know, I kind of felt the same way about that, that I did A Colossal Wreck and Desperate Pleasures, where I'm like, this is definitely something that I can, like, sink my teeth into if this is what we're going to get from every time I die this year. Um, and then, so just getting into the rest of the material here. The, the opener Dark Distance, it, it starts with a few seconds of just feedback and then Keith Buckley comes in just, like, not screaming, but, like, having that signature yell of his, and he says, spare only the ones I love, slay the rest, and then from there, the song just, like, fucking goes into another gear, and, like, I'm listening to Dark Distance, and I'm just, like, there's this certain, like, joy and pleasure that I get from hearing every time I die do what it is that they do best, because when you listen to, like, like a pinnacle band like them and they're just at the top of their game all the time it is such a fucking treat and i like every, I, I don't know if i would say every time i die are one of my favorite bands ever they're probably not but the amount of like respect and adoration i have for them it's like it, like they should be one of my favorite bands just going off of that the song sly has this section in it where it's like 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 a the pitch is increasing and uh like that vocal key just like keeps going higher and higher it sounds like kind of show tunes and broadway-esque in a way uh without like fully diving into that kind of sound it's just this really really cool section in that song that i thought did a lot to make it stand out from some of the other tracks here I did talk earlier about like how I didn't feel that this album had a song necessarily on the level of map change. I think just in terms of like the kind of emotions that it was able to bring out of me, thing with feathers is the closest thing to map change on this record because that's like a song that has a much slower pace compared to everything else. Yet it's like that raw vocal like attitude of Keith Buckley in his delivery with everything that he's saying that is able to just like pierce me and resonate with me. And it's something like that that goes such a long way in just furthering the, like, idolization that I have of Every Time I Die. So, that being said, I think Thing With Feathers is, like, maybe my overall favorite song from the album, but my favorite song here that has the characteristics of Every Time I Die is hostile architecture. There's a section, like, uh, towards a breakdown where he's, Keith Buckley is just repeating the line over and over again where he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, it's almost like becoming faint as he's getting towards the line, but what did I do wrong? White Void really does encapsulate, like, the more southern and blues nature of some of Every Time I Dies stuff. And I feel like that song, it, It does a lot to, like what I said earlier about Thing with Feathers, a lot to, like, separate itself from the rest of the material here. And it is one of the, like, like if I had to, like, make a tiering list for all of the songs on Radical, White Void would come near the top. And songs like Sex, Sex, Sex and People Versus, they do a good job at, like, kind of showing off what I've been saying with, like, that Southern nature. But yet, it, like like, very quickly in those songs, it goes back into... That, like, fast-paced, chaotic style that every time I die are so, like, w- grounded in and well-established in at this point. Uh, the closer we go together, I think that one, it has this really interesting pace to it. And it's not slow, necessarily, but it does just feel, like, kind of menacing in its delivery in some ways. And I think that was, like, such a cool way to finish Radical. And, you know, I already did kind of get my gripe, if you want to call it that, out the way with Radical in that like, I just didn't think that there was a song as of right now, maybe that can change in the future with more listens, but just as of right now, the couple listens that I have given Radical, I didn't feel as connected to any of the songs here as I did Map Change off of Low Teens. That being said, like that is such a almost like an impossible standard to hold anything on this record up against. And so, I want to just, like, make it known and make it clear, like, I love Radical. I think this is an outstanding record, exceptional record, albeit if I don't believe it's perfect. I think it just, like, is so fucking inching near perfection to the point where, like, it might as well be perfect. Like, every time I die, I will never run out of positive things to say about them. I, I, I... I don't even believe I did it justice on this review, even when talking about like them being a legacy act and them being the reason why a lot of current bands in punk and hardcore and metalcore exist. But like, you know, just give this band their flowers. You know, if you haven't checked out Radical yet, I highly encourage everybody to do so. It is 51 minutes of just exhilaration and not once like will, was I ever bored with anything here. I just came out of this thinking like, Man, we really get to exist in the same fucking timeline as every time I die. Okay, so two records remaining, and they're both albums that, coming into 2021, I kind of had a feeling were going to happen, and they were, like, pretty high on, like, the list in my mind of my most anticipated releases for the year, and the first one comes from a band that I think is just doing a lot of really cool shit as far as, like, gimmicks and stories go um, and they just you know dive even further headfirst into that material um, we're gonna talk about horizons by star set me. And immediately I want to say that Starset have like an alternative rock sound going for them that I think is incredibly hit or miss when it comes to acts that are similar to them. Um, so like if I were to go to their section on Spotify where it shows like bands that people who listen to Starset are also listening to, you see acts here like Red, Thousand Foot Crutch, um, The Veer Union, Nine Lashes, these kinds of like more just straightforward, generic alternative rock bands that Don't really do much for me. They do have some songs, all those bands that I kind of fuck with, but even then, like I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily fans of theirs. So Starset being one of my favorite bands is kind of an anomaly in that sense because they really shouldn't be. Yet they just have like such a such a cool nature to them that is hard to describe. But it's something that is able to help me latch onto their act. And if I wasn't already a fan of Starset. I don't know if this is the record that would have turned me around on them because the length and runtime, like that's asking for kind of a lot. If you're not invested in Star Set already, it's 16 songs, an hour and 11 minutes. Like, you know, that I, I, I'm not going to say that's asking for a lot out of me because like, I'll make the time for Star Set easily. But if somebody didn't want to hear this record because of how long it is, I would understand that. And I wouldn't, hold it against them. Like, it is something that you need to have patience for. You need to kind of just, like, let things, like, play out. Um, and, you know, I guess it's kind of, like, just the recurring theme when it comes to the whole, like, star setting for um, entertainment mediums. So, like, you know, I'm not going to make the time to watch Star Wars. I'm not going to make the time to play Mass Effect just because of, like, how demanding it is for them or out of those releases. And I think, Starset would kind of be the musical equivalent to that, and it, it, that runtime wasn't something that like necessarily like shunned me away from the release because that was a similar runtime that Vessels had back in 2017, and that was one of my favorite albums of that whole year. Um, so I was like, okay, if I can manage Vessels being that long, I'll deal with Horizons being this long. It's no big deal. Um, ultimately, I don't prefer this record over Horizons. I think it's pretty much where I expected them to be coming off of Divisions, which is still like this elite level for a band like them. The album cycle started back in either April or May. It was when Infected was released. And I didn't realize at the time back then how much the mixing on that song was like actually holding it back. And that didn't like, I I didn't realize that until I heard the new mixing on Horizons. And with this new mixing, Infected is just fucking stellar. It is Maybe one of the best songs i've heard all year it really might be my favorite song on horizons just in general uh it's just something about that new mixing just the way that everything is able to like become more powerful and be at the forefront of the song that truly helps it like never take for granted a good mixing let me just say that now like a good mix will always be so beneficial to a song i i say that with to better days by slaves having been one of my favorite records last year even though the mixing on that is admittedly questionable but you know, let's just move on from that. And then after Infected, the singles run went The Breach, Leaving This World Behind, and Earthrise. I thought each of those three singles, like, got better with each passing one. And I felt similarly about the rollout for Horizons that I did for Ice Nine Kills uh, with uh, Welcome to Harwood, in the sense that, like, what these songs were telling me was that Like, this is still going to be star set, and it's going to be the star set that I would imagine their audience wants, because, like, that gimmick, you can't necessarily avoid it, you can't really ignore it, especially when Dustin and the rest of the band are on stage, like, dressed the way that they do, and, like, just the the whole theme of every record they have, and not just, like, lyrically, but also the, the way that they create these atmospheres, it's like, this yeah this is a suck, a fucking like galactic space universe kind of thing going on with all their releases and you know it, it, it's not something that like i would normally be drawn to the same way that i am with like the horror stuff with ice nine kills but the way that Starset set are able to approach their concepts and just go about having this kind of gimmick and identity it's really really admirable i think they do such a good job with it And I think if Horizons were to end up being your first experience with Starset, you understand that whole gimmick stuff immediately with unveiling the architecture, which is the intro for the breach, because it just sounds like you're like either watching a movie with like a spaceship just passing by, or you're actually like sitting in this dark spaceship and you're just like seeing all the planets and stars and solar systems and whatever just like surrounding you and like Starset, you know, what I said about them understanding the gimmick and doing it so well, they're able to put you in these settings. It's not just like, um, oh, here are these like galactic themes. Like, no, they actually put you there, and I think that's really cool. Something that I don't think can be denied when listening to Horizons is the prowess that star set show when crafting courses. Because each of their courses, they deliver with like just this um like sense of emphatic nature and they're so catchy and everything just flows together with like the hooks and just the instrumentation backing it and everything Uh and that's not me realizing that but like with songs like Otherworldly and Icarus coming back to back I was just reminded of like man this band can write fucking choruses the song Devolution has like a symphony coming in during one of the sections like right before the bridge and I think that is like an element that really lends itself to the whole space theme of Star Set, especially when you consider like how, uh, like how integrated into like Star Wars soundtrack symphonies were. So I thought that was a really cool touch. Um, alchemy. Let me talk about alchemy for a second. If infected is not my favorite song off of Horizons, then hundred percent, it's alchemy. There's just something about the way that song is able to go about, like just the structure of it. And it's like, again, with Star Set, you kind of just do get like, on a surface level straightforward alternative rock but there's like the way that alchemy is able to kind of exist in that realm without being generic or bland like that is the testament to like a fucking talented act in my opinion and alchemy like you know it it just it, it it's such a good song i don't really know how else to say it it's something that like it stuck with me and i think maybe one of the reasons why is because i felt like If another band, like any of the ones I mentioned earlier, like Red or 1000 Foot Crutch, if they touched a song like Alchemy, I don't think they would have been able to make it nearly as interesting or captivating as Starset did. Disappear is a slower song that it has like, you know, it has instrumental backing to it, but it's kind of minimal. And you really just have Dustin being surrounded by these like outside elements that make it sound like not not like if he is, like, in the spaceship that I've been talking about, but, like, if he was actually, like, launched into the fucking orbit, and that, like, that goes a long way in furthering the whole gimmick that I've been talking about with Starset. The Endless, or this Endless Endeavor, I'm sorry, is a, another song that kind of, like, utilizes different ideas and concepts to get across the whole space narrative. Uh, mainly, like, the, like, electronic bridge that comes in on it. It sounds, like, so distorted and almost, like, in some ways, radio static, especially like with like, um, space communication. But it, it's just another take on everything that I've been mentioning with Starset and the whole identity that this band has and like how in touch they are with their characters. The three songs stretch after this endless endeavor with symbiotic, dreamcatcher, and tunnel vision. I think go back to what I was saying, saying earlier with alchemy and how like this is just a band that like beneath like all this gimmick and all this like other cosmic shit. They're just a really talented alternative rock band that's able to put out these bangers that are so catchy and just so infectious. And, you know, when I say infectious, I don't mean to, like, parlay into Infected, which is the following song. But I'll just go back to what I was saying earlier about Infected. It is so fucking cool just how much life I think Horizons was, was able to breathe into Infected. Because, honestly, Infected as its own standalone single, it was a little bit forgotten by me. And that sucked considering how much I like Star Set. So I'm glad that Infected was able to just kind of come back to my life last week. And then the closing track, Something Wicked, it spends the first half of it building up to the second half. So like, it's primarily just Dustin uh, giving like this like incredible vocal performance. And then the rest of the band will come in and it feels just like the perfect way to end the record. And then by the conclusion, Dustin is just like kind of whispering to himself, Something Wicked This Way Comes. And I mentioned, like, the idea of a cliffhanger with one of the earlier albums I talked about. I don't remember exactly which one right now, but I did say cliffhanger. It does feel like that's what Star Set is doing. And, like, whatever this, like, wicked thing coming Dustin's way is going to be, like, the base of what the next Star Set record is about. And, like, that's just such a cool fucking way to kind of go about the whole space, cosmic, galactic bullshit that they're talking about. Especially when you consider, like, the series that have come from that, like Star Wars and Star Trek so like coming out of horizons um like as a concept and as like ideas explored thematically this is fucking excellent it is untouchable i think horizons is just another notch on the belt of star set and what i've said before about them understanding their gimmick and the way that they tell these stories um and then musically it's you know it, it's what i said it was going or what i thought it was going to be rather which is just this immaculate alternative rock release that like you know at portions of it I'm questioning like man why do I like this because I kind of shouldn't yet there's just something about the way that starset delivers these ideas that is just unparalleled to any other band in their scene um and I I went with 9.5 on it and I so something that I do when reviewing records is I look at like the rest of the band's discography if that's available to me and like I would I have the same Small little gripe with Horizons that I did with Divisions, which is that they just are not as good as Vessels. But like to, to uh, like what I was saying earlier about every time I die with map change and then comparing Radical to that, it's not really fair because Vessels is just like a I don't want to say once in a generation release because that might be like an exaggeration, but for Starset it might as well be. That record is fucking excellent, but then like so is Division, so is Horizons. Yet I just feel like there's. That small, little, like, zero point zero 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 one percent of detachment that I feel for Horizons because I don't think it's as good as Vessels. But even then, this is an outstanding release. I love it so much. That hour, 11-minute runtime, it does not, like, scare me. It doesn't cause me to run away from it the way that I would maybe some other acts because Star Set just, like, command that kind of attention and respect out of me. Okay. So we got one record left. This is a long episode. I'm aware of that. I apologize, but I needed to give all these albums and EPs just the amount of, or the appropriate amount of time and like space to discuss them. And I, I'm very, very happy to talk about this record because it is a band that I will always champion on this show. They are one of my favorite bands of all time. I don't think they've ever missed with anything they've done. And this record just, you know, further adds to that repertoire that I think is so just uh, incredible for them Um, so let's go into the new album from Don Broco amazing things So, before I get into the actual music here with Amazing Things, I want to tell a personal story because it is one of the many reasons why this was such an important release to me. Um, so, the lead single for this album, Manchester Super Red's number one fan, dropped on May 13th of this year. And I remember hearing the premiere of that song on Animax Radio Show that day, and the level of excitement that song brought out of me, like, I just hardly ever, ever feel that for anything ever. Not just like music, but like with anything. It, it wasn't just like exciting to me on a musical level. It was exciting to me on just like a, like such like, a heartfelt level because I was getting to hear one of my favorite bands ever release new music and there is like, there there aren't many things in the world that can bring that kind of joy out of me. And um while I was listening to that song, I went into my living room, and my cat, Mikasa, was just sitting down. And I didn't, like, yell this at her. I didn't shout at her. I kind of just exclaimed it, and she happened to be there. Um I said, hey, Mikasa, new Don Broco. And that was on May 13th. May 16th, she got sick, and then May 18th, she passed away. So literally one of the last things my cat Mikasa saw out of me was the the pure joy that Don Broco had brought me. And that's something that really stuck with me, and again, it's one of the reasons why Amazing Things was such an important release for me, and why it is one of the most just crucial pieces of music I will listen to this year. And th- this record was meant to be out on September 17th. It ended up getting pushed to uh, October 22nd because of some issues getting the physical releases out. Um, and you know, that, that, that did hurt, honestly, knowing that I wasn't going to get to hear this record when I thought I was. Ultimately, it wasn't really a bad thing because that day, September 17th, had Spirit Box and The Plot in You and Idola. So it was already a massive day. And Broko being on that same day would have made it almost impossible for me to give any of those four records the proper attention and love that they deserved. Um, So having this on the 22nd of October, that ended up being fine. I, I wasn't bothered by that. Um, So I said Manchester Super Reds I'm one fan, was elite lead single. That song... It's not the intro to the record, it's the second song, but it might as well have been the intro just because of how perfectly I think it brings forth this new era for Don Broco. Uh, Manchester is like catchy and infectious, it's kind of crazy, it feels like chaotic and all the the place in all the right ways that I would want a Don Broco song to be. Um, The single that followed that was Gumshield and there was this whole promotion for Gumshield where the vocalist Rob Damiani was, like, promoting a boxing fight, and it looked legit. Like, I knew it wasn't because Broco, you know, they do these kinds of things, but, like, it had people fooled, and that was really, really cool, I thought. Um, and Gum Shield, I think, it, it has a lot of the same ideas I've mentioned with Manchester, where it's just, like, it, it's Don Broco just, like, I, I, not to be crude, but, like, swinging their dick around and just, like being like, yeah, we, we're one of the coolest bands out there, not just because of what we're able to do musically, but like the concepts that we bring to music videos and the way that we bring these ideas to life. And there are a few bands that can exist in that same realm as them, like Ice Line Kills, Bring Me the Horizon, like those are some of them, but Don Broco, they almost exist in their own stratosphere in that, in that regard. Uh, One True Prince, while not having like this crazy music video attached to it, it was like one of the more, like, profound and effective songs on the record because of just the how differently the pace is compared to some of the other material here, and it feels like a slower song for Don Broco, yet it has, like, the same punch and energy that I would come to expect from them. Uh, and then the, like, pitch change in the ending section of that song is just th- the fucking best way to end it. Um, Uber, that was another one that didn't have, like, a crazy music video for it, but it's so catchy... Uh, You can sense, like, the anger in Rob's voice when he's talking about, like, his experiences, like, dealing with racism. Not necessarily to himself, but just, like, hearing somebody talk, like, a lot of shit about minorities and just, like, the kind of reaction that gets out of him. Uh, And then Endorphins was the final single. And the music video for that, like, literally is just them as Power Rangers fighting David Beckham. And it sounds... Like it looks as fucking ridiculous as it sounds, but that's one of the charming things about Don Broco, honestly. Uh, and then the song itself, "Endorphins," is just really, really cool. Um, so, like I said, the record it doesn't open with "Manchester," it opens with "Gumshield," but I I really do enjoy that, even if I thought "Manchester" might have been a better opening, just because of the way that that song kind of has like that really quiet intro with Rob just like not even whispering, but just like murmuring the lyrics. I put my gum shield in, protect me for myself. Uh, swimwear season. When I heard the verses for that song, I was like, okay, where is this going? What direction is this? Because they feel kind of like pop based. And then the chorus comes in and it has like that same ferocity that, uh, some of the other songs' choruses like Gum Shield or Uber do. So that worked really well in Don Broca's favor. Anaheim has a really, really cool and like emotional story attached to it. So that song, the, there's a part of the chorus that says, God damn I feel alive, but feeling alive's no good. Every little doubt, I know I'm hooked. Damn I feel alive, damn I feel alive, no the morning won't be seen through the night. And then there was this annotation on Genius where it says that during the listening party for Broco, um Rob Damiani had said, and this is a quote from him, There was a show we played in Anaheim on the Mike Shinoda tour when I was at one of my lowest points, and right before the show I just burst out crying on the bus. Then ten minutes later we were on stage. It was a very intense switch up of emotions. And like, I think that song, Anaheim, it just really speaks to, you know, the idea of, like, mental health being a real fucking thing that we need to take seriously. And, you know, I'm not gonna, like, fill in blanks for Rob. I don't know if, um, like, part of that emotion came from, uh, being on the Mike Shinoda tour and then, like, knowing what Mike had gone through previously with, um, Chester's passing. But, like, it, you know, it, it just goes into, or factors into what I was trying to say with, like, you know, these people who we see as like larger than life, ultimately they're people and they feel shit and they have to go through, you know, very similar trials and tribulations that we do. How are you done with this existing is another very emotional song. Um, it's, it's also slow like Anaheim, but it does have a little bit more energy in terms of the instrumentation and like the way that Rob picks up his vocals in that song. Uh, and then like the chorus on that one says, I'm not giving up. Don't give it up. How are you done with existing? You let me know. No, there's no way. No, I won't be fine. Go to call you up, and now your phone don't ring. How are you done with existing? You let me know. No. So, like, you know, the, the level of motion that's able to be packed into that song, it's just, like, it, it makes Broco just all that more genuine, I think. Bruce Willis ventures back into the territory of, like, cocky Don Broco, and whenever they're able to show off that side of them, I think it just, like, comes across just so fucking well and immaculately uh and the fact that they're able to like have yippee Kaye motherfucker be a hook for a song it's just another testament to like the the talent for a band and how they're able to do that without it coming across as like cheesy or corny uh the two songs revenge body and bad for your health they feel like extensions of what bring me or not bring me broco holy shit that's embarrassing uh what broco were doing on uh technology and like that kind of like, almost like this, like, industrial slash new metal kind of sound that they were going for on certain songs. I think that's carried over into these, especially Bad for Your Health. That one, um, it, it does feel very new metal-esque. And then the closing song, Easter Sunday, is probably my favorite song on the record, at least as of right now. Um, and, like, it goes back to what I said earlier with, like, the level of emotion that's attached to some of these songs. But this one's not necessarily slow. It has, like, slow verses, but the chorus, it's, like, as a powerful as anything else on this record. Um, lyrically, Easter Sunday is inspired by the drummer Matt and how, uh, because of COVID-19, he lost three uncles within the space of a month. And you can definitely feel, like, that emotion and, like, just tiredness of everything happening uh, so like literally the opening lines go, I'm sick and tired, hearing the choir singing Sunday morning, traveling home, it wasn't far, Easter Sunday, and you told me my brothers were gone, and the comfort is you tell me that the reason was love, what a sacrifice, I'm sick and tired, hearing the, cho- hearing the choir singing Sunday morning, Sufferings, some badge of honor, Easter Sunday, and you told me they're not coming home. And, you know, like I said, that emotion that Broko puts into this song, it's just kind of the perfect way to close out the record and... Uh, Easter Sunday, it does feel like the perfect blend of the more like raw and energetic sound that Broco go for a lot. And then the just lyrical um, powerfulness, I guess that's the way for me to describe it, uh, that they're able to utilize with these kinds of sounds. And I think coming out of Amazing Things, I knew this was going to be a perfect record. Like, there was just no way it wasn't going to be. I enjoyed all the singles immensely. I've never been let down by a Don Broco album Priorities which was our debut from 2012 is probably in like my top five albums I've ever listened to in my life so like there was never down my mind that Amazing Things was going to be something of a similar caliber and magnitude and like just going off of what I mentioned earlier about you know my cat and I don't want to make this about myself because it's not but like that was another layer onto the journey that I was able to feel with Amazing Things and like you know, just hearing some of the things that they're talking about on this record, like, it really, really spoke to me, um, and I just, I, I feel immensely thankful for Don Broco. I'm gonna keep this a buck with y'all. I'm about to cry. I'm genuinely, like, on the verge of tears right now, just getting across, like, what amazing things means to me, what some of these songs mean to me, what Don Broco mean to me, and, like, Nah, I want people to to feel what I feel for for Don Broco, um, whether that be through music or something else that you really enjoy. I just like I hope everyone listening to this has something out there that they can latch onto and just find so much comfort in the way that Don Broco songs are able to do for me. Because Amazing Things is an album that you know I had all the expectations in the world for, and they were still somehow exceeded. I I love this band with all my heart. I just... There there's there, there are little words I can use to describe what Don Broco have been able to do for me. So I think I'm going to go ahead and close out the episode here. Before I try and just reiterate myself and run out of things to say. Um, this was a long one. This was a really, really long one. And it's going to be like this probably the rest of the year through December 3rd. Which is the cutoff date for the year-end stuff. Um, but yeah... Uh, Thank you for listening, I hope you enjoyed this chapter, and as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.